This edition of Farming the Countryside is brought to you by Pivot Bio Proven. Turn to a better nitrogen. Learn more at pivotbio.com. Welcome to Farming the Countryside. I'm Andrew McRae. Sustainability is a term that is tossed around quite a bit these days in the ag industry. So what then is sustainable beef? What might it mean for ranchers and consumers? Meet a cattlewoman who is working to define the term and help ranchers earn more for the quality work that they do. Plus, we'll cover other topics important in the beef industry. It's our topic for this week's Farming the Countryside, brought to you by Pivot Bio. If you ask farmers what their greatest concern is this year, they will likely say rising nitrogen prices. For our farm, higher nitrogen prices and our desire to increase bushels with more sustainable farming methods led me to Pivot Bioproven 40, which can produce up to the equivalent of 40 pounds of synthetic nitrogen. Our field demonstrations show an opportunity for a better ROI and a reduction of synthetic nitrogen. Turn to a better nitrogen with Pivot Bio. I hope you'll learn more. Just go to pivotbio.com. Debbie Lyons-Blythe is a Kansas cattlewoman. She, like a lot of us in the cattle business, continues to hear more about being sustainable. But she was concerned about what that term might mean, who was interpreting it, and what it could spell for U.S. cattle producers. The U.S. Roundtable for Sustainable Beef was formed as a grassroots, producer-led effort to better market some of the best practices we are already doing, but also help us see opportunities to improve. As you'll hear, Debbie is very involved in the beef industry, and she walks through how the topic has impacted her operation and what we can learn as well. I simply began by asking her to introduce herself to our Farming the Countryside listeners. I'm Debbie Lyons-Blythe. I'm a cattle rancher from White City, Kansas. Debbie, we're talking about the U.S. Roundtable for Sustainable Beef. Let's just begin by what that council is and who it is and how it got established. So the U.S. Roundtable got started about six years ago. It's a group um, specifically of every sector around the whole beef value chain. So it has uh, producer members, auction market members. We have feed yard members, packers and processors, retail and food service, as well as some uh, NGOs, allied industry. I mean, it's, it's everybody that touches the beef value chain. Mostly our membership is producers. So when this was formed six years ago, it was formed for what? What is kind of the main purpose of the council? You know, people have been talking about sustainability for a long time, and I've been involved in some of those conversations, and they were very, very top-down. The the retailers, the food service were pushing us uh, to, to fit into their niche of what they thought sustainability was. Well, I realized that that wasn't going to work, but they were absolutely uh, continuing that conversation. Luckily, when this group started up, it looked to me like there were going to be quite a few opportunities for producers to be impactful, um, both at the, the farm level, but also the feed yard level. I think that's really important. So we decided to get involved at that time because um, top-down wasn't working, but it was going to keep going, right? They were going to keep talking about it, and we were going to finally be regulated or, or you know, pushed down with legislation. So we felt like if we could be involved, we could maybe help that conversation and, and make sure that we were doing appropriate ways to measure sustainability. So 
we should probably go to the question I'm sure you get asked a lot of what is sustainability because buzzword, but still, what does it mean? Because it means a lot of things to different people. You're exactly right. So sustainability is a total buzzword. And that's the first thing that we did is we had to define it. And it took us a year, right? Because we had to agree what it meant all along the beef value chain. So it's, it's a flowery boardroom language, and I'm not very good with that. So basically, in a cattle rancher language, it means take care of the land, take care of the animals, take care of the people, and make money. Right, So all four of those things have to happen for an operation at whatever level to be sustainable. So with that definition then, what does that mean then for producers and how does that help them market through this chain? Because certainly we have a growing number of consumers that are looking for products that, we'll put in the quotes, are sustainable. So how does that happen? Right, so the roundtable has... uh, said we are not going to be a certification body. We are a nonprofit. We operate just on membership dues. Um, Our goal was to create content that somebody else could take to create a program if they wanted to, but that it was founded in um, really good ways to measure. So the first thing that we did was we identified key indicators that would be indicators of sustainability that we could actually measure at every sector level. So the, the really important thing, I think, is that we are not just measuring sustainability at the ranch level. We're measuring it at every single sector. So if we talk about water, we talk about it at the ranch level, at the feed yard level, at the auction market level. We even talk about measuring water quality and or quantity at the packer, processor, and retailer food service level. So you mentioned then that it wouldn't be a certification type of body. So how do producers or even folks on the other end, those that are marketing beef, how do they plug into that then to be able to, I guess, use that that title to help market? Right. There's an easy way to get connected with what sustainability means to you specifically in your operations. So go to our website. So it's U.S. Roundtable for Sustainable Beef, USRSB. and go to the resources tab. And it will then take you to two different uh, opportunities to interact with what sustainability means on your ranch. The first one is a quick, it's it's called a self-assessment tool. And it would just be a series of questions that are basically things that would measure sustainability. So the key question for a farmer or rancher is, do you have a grazing management plan? And if you do, then you are impacting three of our key indicators, and that is land, water, and greenhouse gases. So if you're managing your land and and you have a plan, we're not telling you how to manage your land. We're not telling you what needs to be in your plan. But if you have some sort of a plan, you're doing a better job anyway. Most of the questions for farmers and ranchers are best management practices. Really, they're just things that will impact your bottom line anyway and that are good things to be doing. And then, of course, we've got those questions all along the value chain. Um, so there's, there's questions for all of those. At the end, it does not say green, you're sustainable, red, you're not. It has a dial that will show you the spectrum. So let's say I answer the questions and I'm in the yellow area for um, water. Then I can click on more information and go back and say, can I do a better job with water? That's one that came up not so great, right? And that's also for all of the value chains. Along with our self-assessment tool, we also have outreach modules. And those are also at usrsb.org in the resources tab. 
And those modules are interactive. They have more information about sustainability, much more in depth. Um, once again, it's through the beef value chain. So we have modules for every sector. Um, the last ones are coming out here very shortly. Those will be the retail and food service modules. But they're interactive videos, questions, kind of getting people to interact with what really truly is the way to measure sustainability and um, how can I do a better job myself, looking just at myself. One key thing I want to tell you is none of the information is saved. We are not gathering any of the information. The only questions that are saved is what state are you from and what sector are you from? We just want to know that people are interacting with the modules and we don't want to gather any data at this time. So you and I both raise cattle, and I'm wondering, with your operation, as you began to move through this, were you already doing a lot of these practices? Or if you took the test, would you say, here's some things that I should do different? How did it impact you? So, yeah, I, I was surprisingly doing a couple of these things that are pretty key questions for us, and one is a grazing management plan. Another question that we talk about is, do you have a transition plan? Because if you have a transition plan, then you will probably be more likely to keep your land in grasslands, and that's the bottom line. We need to keep grasslands sequestering carbon. Um, and so, yes, we were doing those things, but it's because it was a transition plan. Um, our family has... has you know, passed down our ranch for many years and, and had some deaths recently. And so um, that's been a top of mind thing for us anyway. But some other things that maybe we weren't doing, you, you also have worker safety as one of your questions. And maybe on the farmer ranch, people may think that's not important. It really is. Because who are your workers? They're your kids, usually, right? So the question on a farmer ranch level isn't, do you have this fancy worker safety policy? But how about do you remind your kids about how to drive the tractor when they get on the tractor, right? If you have a neighbor, come help you. Are they trained in stockmanship and stewardship? Are they safe with cattle? Will they do a good job animal welfare-wise? So they're pretty appropriate questions at the farm and ranch level, and they're things that we maybe had slipped on as well. And so I think they're things that we can all improve. I'm interested then, from your perspective, going through this process, has it changed the way that you market your cattle? Has it met increased dollars to market, or has it helped you reduce input costs, or has it impacted your operation? So I think our operation, it's probably not going to be a direct impact for me as a member of the roundtable. We've committed to that. Um, our family realizes that the money that we've spent on membership is probably not going to be recouped for me personally. What I believe that is going to be really important for our family is, is that the ranch is still going to be there for my kids and my grandkids, right? We have got to address the topic of sustainability. It's, it has been forced on us. Let's Let's own back that word. It's our word. We are absolutely sustainable, and we need to prove that. I believe that at some point fairly soon we will start having certification uh, possibilities in the marketplace. And I think one of the key things that we want to tell people to do today to be ready for that would be, number one, start a grazing management plan. Because that is, that's been proven that that's going to be a key to almost any kind of certification program. So get your grazing management plan started so that when that comes up, you say, I'm already ready, and you can take advantage of that. The other thing that we found that's really pretty simple, tag your calves. Put an ear tag in their, in their ears. We're not even asking for an EID tag. My recommendation is if you tag your calves, then you can tie that back to the cow, Right? And if you have a cow that never raises a calf, but you don't tag your calves, you don't even know. 
right? So if you tag your calves, you can also tie it back. If there's a really crappy calf, you need to get rid of that cow because she is absolutely not sustainable. If she's consuming resources and belching methane, and yet not producing, right? She is not sustainable. She needs to go. You've mentioned a grazing plan, management plan, a couple of times. So what does that mean? Is that necessarily intensive rotational grazing, or is that something similar? What does that mean? Because that can mean different things to different producers. It totally means different things to different producers, and we have absolutely not put it down as a prescriptive situation. So we have guidelines from, not not that we've come up with, these are NRCS, Extension, I mean all sorts of other really smart people already have guidelines about what a grazing management plan in your area would look like. So just the fact that you have one impacts your sustainability. What would you tell producers who look at the word sustainable and these types of things and say, well I don't want somebody telling me what to do, I'm gonna, I know what to do and I already do it well. So why should we look at this? Because we all need to grow, don't we? So how do we do this and and balance it? Uh, Like I said, we need to own back the word sustainability. We absolutely have always been focused on that. And yes, it has been uh, co-opted by people that we don't want to see them push down any kind of regulations on us. Um, But we need to prove that we already are doing a great job. And the bottom line for me is that the measures that we've come up with are truly best management practices. And if you're doing those, then you are impacting your sustainability already, right? Every area is different, and, and we can all get better. We always can. Look to the future a little bit. How long before we truly do see this as a marketing opportunity? It's coming, isn't it? I wish I had that uh, crystal ball. I wish I were able to do that. But I just think that if we're prepared for it, we'll, we'll do well. So the next step for the roundtable is right now we are working on creating um, overarching goals for every sector. And uh, those will roll out in April. We've seen some, uh, you know, corporate goals. We've seen some industry goals. These are going to be goals that will impact every key indicator um, at every sector level. This will it's very exciting. We're, we're looking forward to rolling those out in April at our annual meeting. Remind people how they find out more. Come to usrsb.org or beefsustainability.us. Debbie, I appreciate the time. Thank you. If you missed that, the website for the U.S. Roundtable for Sustainable Beef is usrsb.org. That's usrsb.org. There are great resources there that I think you'll find helpful. And Debbie also mentioned beefsustainability.us. That's beefsustainability.us. Two great sites to gather some more information. We stick with our ranching theme by visiting with Scott Flynn, Zonal Biology Leader for North America's Pasture and Land Management Business with Corteva AgriScience. Pasture management is an important part of what we do on our farm, and Corteva has been helping ranchers with that topic for many years. So when I had a chance to catch up with Scott, I took the opportunity to visit with him about where we've been and where we're heading with pasture and range improvement products. Corteva has had several products for several years with pasture and range. So I'm going to let you talk about maybe where we've been, but where we're heading as well, because you've got a lot of proven products, but also some new things coming down the road. Sure. So most people are probably familiar with products such as Graze on Next, HL, um, uh, Chaparral, even old Graze on P plus D, the standard. Uh, the new generation of products, uh, Duracore, 
uh, which is in a combination of aminopyrrolid and 2,4-D. So it, it has the characteristics of Grazon Next without the 2,4-D and a lower use rate. So what does that allow us to be able to, to better do than what we could do in the past? The, with the lack of 2,4-D, there's, there's obviously the decreased risk of any off-target off target movement. Uh, the other thing is that DuraCore mixes much easier with dry fertilizer. So a lot of people like to do dry fertilizer impregnation and do everything in one pass. Uh, so those are the big benefits of it. The other thing is, is we start to pick up species with DuraCore that we never could pick up with Grazon Next in the past. Uh, members of the carrot family, such as wild carrot, poison hemlock, uh, the plantain species that tend to plague our pastures early, early on in the year. Those products is, are where we see that up, uh, that uptick in control with Duracor. You mentioned there moving into you know one pass with fertilizer. So talk about what's coming down the road because certainly exciting things that we can do in that area. So we've recently announced that we will be launching the UltiGraze uh, system or the UltiGraze product. And what that is, that's dry fertilizer impregnation. That's taking Grazon Next or Duracore and impregnating on a fertilizer and then uh, making that application. Now what's unique about UltiGraze is that it's a certification program uh, that in order to become an UltiGraze dealer, you have to go through training to understand uh, how to optimize uh, coverage, so through the blending process. Uh, marking that product with blue dyes so that you don't have to worry about someone accidentally picking it up and putting it on a sensitive crop. Uh, the application, what's required as far as calibration goes and making sure that equipment's set up properly. And uh, the stewardship, that's also a key component. With the UltraGrade system, because we're using uh, residual herbicides, we have to make sure that that equipment is committed to the pasture business and it's not going to get used over in, say, soybeans where it could cause a lot of damage. So UltiGraze uh, is a, more of a certification program where we're using a dry fertilizer product, but just ensuring the quality of that uh, with our customers. I think that some ranchers that have used the product continue to come back. Others sometimes are skeptical. So how do you talk to folks that maybe haven't used any of these products before What's the, the bottom line? Because I'm sure you're going to tell me it, it pays and pays way more than the investment. If you've, I think most people have probably used products, say, like a, a 2,4-D. And uh, the thing is, is it's kind of instant gratification, especially if you're using 2,4-D esters and you burn that back. But the, the length of control is usually very, very short. Uh, when you're using some, a product like Duracore or Grazon Next, you have soil residual there. You have a herbicide that not only kills the above ground, it kills the below ground and lingers there so that we actually prevent subsequent uh, emergence of, of the second generation of weeds or preventing that from, from greening back up. So once you use it and you see that you've got a clean pasture for the season rather than just for three or four weeks, that's usually the big catch uh, with, with producers. Once they see it, they, they love it. What other things would you like folks to know, and how can they learn more? I would like for people to, uh, to get out and scout their pastures early in 2022. We've seen drought across a lot of the U.S., and what, uh, what usually happens, especially cool-season grass pastures, is that they repair themselves in the fall. And this year we were dry. Uh, we were overgrazed in a lot of areas, and those pastures in 2022, they're going to take a little bit of uh, care uh, to, to get them up and rolling again. So get out, scout early for weeds, make sure that you're paying attention to fertility, uh, and make sure you get started off on the right foot. Scott, I appreciate the time.
Well, thank you. I appreciate, uh, appreciate the conversation. Keeping with the topic of cattle, I recently visited with John Davidson, veterinarian with Beringer Ingelheim. We spent a few minutes discussing items to keep in mind when it comes to the health of the herd. John, we're talking about cattle health for a moment. Beringer Ingelheim is certainly a name that people know from way back, but let's talk about deworming first of all. Long-time products, but what should I be thinking about moving forward when it comes to deworming in my herd? So we are the largest uh, supplier of deworming products in the world. When you look at companion animal, equine, livestock, we take that responsibility uh, seriously. We, and so we have instituted a, a new four pillars approach to the uh, use of, of uh, dewormers uh, to help producers. And it's really a, a pretty common sense approach. And I'll walk, through, walk you through those. Uh, the first pillar is really understanding what the population of parasites in the cattle at the time is. And that's just through uh, traditional diagnostics, taking fecal samples, whether they're done at the veterinary practice or at a diagnostic laboratory, uh, seeing what the burdens are, seeing what species of worms are present. The next step is, is uh, using products in combination. We know that when you use uh, like a pour-on or injectable or an oral drench separately, they do not work as well as they do when you use them together. So the combination treatment approach is something that, that we're educating the industry on and the benefits of that high percentage kill in those cattle and how that translates into fewer surviving parasites in the environment, which has a positive effect on reducing the potential for resistance buildup. The third pillar, good old-fashioned uh, stewardship, and, and I would say forage management, stocking rate, stocking density, managing that forage height. Parasite transmission increases as you graze closer to the ground, so managing that forage height is going to be critical in higher intensive grazing situations to reduce the reinfection that occurs after you've treated cattle uh, in your operation. And lastly, when we suspect that there's a, a, a built-up of population of resistant parasites, we want to combat that by actually leaving a small portion of that herd untreated so that the, the surviving parasites or the, the worms being carried by those cattle have not been exposed to the compounds that we're using in the rest. And by maintaining that population or refuge, and we call that refugia, by maintaining that population, uh, we are creating an opportunity to, to further minimize the, the potential for resistance buildup. And so th those are that's the four pillars approach and, and proud of our industry leadership there. Certainly antibiotics is something that we have used seemingly forever, but what can you tell me about research on that side? And antibiotics and uh, the judicious use of antibiotics continues to be an important topic for the industry. Most recently, uh, with our, our Macrolide uh, product, Zactran, we were, we were asked uh, to better define what that uh, post-metaphylactic uh, treatment. So metaphylaxis is mass medication on, on arrival in high-risk cattle, and it's, a, it's an important management tool uh, to, to minimize the, the, the demand on labor and also alleviate the suffering that goes along with a, the, the industry's leading disease, which is respiratory disease. And so when, with the advent of the macrolide class of antibiotics and longer treatment intervals, we recognize there were lots of questions out there as to how long a certain product, particularly ours, lasts after you treat cattle with it. And so we initiated a study. We've now published that study and demonstrating that out, but at time points out to nine days was really the sweet spot uh, for cattle coming in 
And, and the, the confidence that that gives veterinarians and their clients, the producers, is that they can use a longer-lasting, more modern antibiotic and have the confidence that it's going to be working and not necessarily reach for another product to, to pull and retreat uh, too soon. John, I appreciate the time. Uh, you bet. Happy to help. That's it for this edition of our show. Remember, you can hear all of our shows at farmingthecountryside.com. And you can also get more information by following Farming the Countryside on Facebook. And don't forget, we're posting ideas for revitalizing rural and agricultural America at totaltownmakeover.com. If you go under the Resources tab there, you'll find many of our TV, radio, and podcast features that will give you ideas for where you live. I appreciate you listening. I'm Andrew McRae. I'll catch you next time on Farming the Countryside. This edition of Farming the Countryside has been brought to you by Pivot Bio Proven. Turn to a better nitrogen. Learn more at pivotbio.com.